Hello. <laughs> kind of always do a check around here because we know that um, we have all sorts of different coloured sparkly bits that turn up. And it's we sometimes say like on a Sunday evening we'll have a check or of, of like what's there now and what, what's appearing. So I just invite you just to be aware of what's going on in the room, what's going on around you. Um, we've been talking about his goodness. And whenever you talk about him, it's impossible for something not to happen. Um, there's something that's been happening for a little while now, and, and it's kind of started me on this kind of journey. Is What does it look like just to be aware of his presence outside of the four walls of the church in our everyday when we're just going about our normal business. Um, over the last year, uh, there's been a bit of a journey on that for me personally. And so I was kind of thinking about how do I share, what do I share? Uh, I could share testimonies of what we've seen God do. We've seen God do a lot. Um, and we continue to see that happen. Um, but then... What, what could I share that's actually useful for us for the everyday where we get to partner with him and just the subtleties of, of the whispers of his presence that we can pick up um, that we might miss. Um, and so a year ago, uh, I had this sort of moment where I was actually reading a book by John G. Lake and I just finished the second year of Eastgate School of Supernatural Life and I was due to start the third year. I've just finished that. And uh, there's a, a quote by John G. Lake. Does everyone know who John G. Lake is? You know, say everybody. Um, it's worth looking up. I'll, I'll just Google and, and have a look. There's a lot of books out there. But he's a man that carried an immense amount of the presence of God. Really ahead of his time in terms of what we could expect to see. Um, and yeah, just, just look him up. Um, so this guy, he says, by the end of that year... I was asking God for a greater measure than I knew. My soul was demanding a greater entrance into God, his love, presence, and power. And that, that was kind of the cry in my heart. That's kind of what was going on. But I've got to be honest with you, I didn't know how. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it, it's not a case of working for it. But how do you access the more? How, how does that actually happen? Um, last week, Tim spoke on rest. And uh, it's really worth listening to that. He, he, he talks about the place of sonship. We'll just give it the generic for us girlies. Sonship and the place of servanthood and the place of being effectively outside of not yet in a relationship with God. And I think for myself, I'd been in chair two. He talked about chair one, two, and three. One is sonship. Chair two is the servanthood and chair three is outside of that. And I think predominantly for myself, I'd been in chair two for most of my, if not, yeah, most of my sort of walk with God. And over the last four years, moved further and further and stayed more firmly in chair one, which is sonship, but continue sometimes to jump into chair two. And so this isn't coming out. Anything I'm going to share now is not coming out of a place of striving, a place of you have to do something for this to happen. This really is coming out of a place of learning what it's like to actually um, be a daughter. Um, And then out of that, what I was looking at is how do you, I don't know if the word right is right, is cultivate the abiding presence. 
Because the one thing that is sure is that when... Okay, who sees here? In terms of uh, seeing the unseen realm, who, who, who would declare themselves as someone that sees? Probably a show of hands. Okay, and who predominantly would be described as someone that feels an atmosphere? I'd put my hand up for that one. Um, if you're in a position where you're not seeing and you're not feeling, what do you do? What, what do you do? And, and this is the case, of, this is the sort of thing I was looking at, is, well, actually, what does the word say? What it comes down to, what does the word of God say about what's going on in the atmosphere, what, what's possible? And so this journey for me over the last year has been journeying into the unlimited or the limitless realms, the heavenly realms, um, in terms of what's available, who we are, what we can expect to see. Um, and so Ephesians 2, 6, when he talks about the being, us being seated in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. And in Ephesians 1, 3, it said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. And that's the New Living Translation. And I looked at that and thought, united with Christ. So... I'm a bit of a slow burner in terms of working stuff out. And I tend to think about things quite a lot. So what I started to do was I kind of formed a blog. Because then what I would do is put all my thoughts together and kind of then from that place kind of, okay, that, that, that kind of, that's how it looks. This, this is how it works. It's just a bit of an analytical thing, which isn't great, but it's kind of the way I am. So what I thought I'd do is I'd read you a very short part of a, a blog. And then really just work from that place. So this is, this is how it goes. I've been thinking about what faith accompanied by expectation looks like from heaven's perspective. When Jesus said that those who believe in him would do what he had been doing and even greater things, he didn't stop there. Incredibly, he also said that we could ask for anything in his name and that we would, he would do it so that our Father in heaven would get the glory. There are journeys into the realms of heaven that are opportunities for unlimited adventures in faith. Beyond the limits of our ability to ask and the borders of our imagination are realms in God that are waiting to be explored. Holy Spirit is longing to take us off-road into the immeasurably more, supernaturally empowering us to discover the heights and the depths, the width and the length of his love, the limitless realms of his divine nature of which we are called to be partakers. So he takes us on this adventure of faith, of trust, into the depths of his heart. He fills us so completely that we can't help but overflow with hope, releasing his love and power, his presence, diffusing the fragrance of the one we love as we go. See, these places are for us to discover. Places of unlimited resources, infinite and eternal. So when our perspectives match those of the kingdom of heaven and the heart of its king, what we have the privilege and joy of discovering there will be lavishly and unreservedly manifest here on earth in greater and greater measure. So this journey of faith often causes me to ask myself, from what perspective am I living from? When I recognize that I'm questioning what Jesus has said is possible, I make the choice to change the way I'm thinking so that my thoughts are in line with the reality in which I'm called to live from heaven towards earth. So in Luke 12:32 it says it gives you the father great happiness 
to give you the kingdom. It's great happiness. He's a really good, really, really good father. And it gives him great happiness, great pleasure to give us the kingdom. And I was asking him about this. And I was asking about him giving us the kingdom and what that meant to him. And I read Jeremiah 3.19. In fact, someone posted it on a WhatsApp post. I was like, oh my goodness. It says in Jeremiah 3.19, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land. The finest possession in the world. (laughs) I look forward, wow, to your calling me father. I wanted you to never to turn from me. I sat there, I was like, oh. (laughs) It gave you great pleasure to give us the kingdom. And I think it gives him great pleasure when we start to explore what that means. We've been rescued from the power of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And it's a kingdom of light. And it's the kingdom of light versus the power of darkness. It's no match. (laughs) We belong in the kingdom of light. We are light. And it's a kingdom of abundance. There's no lack. (laughs) There's no lack. We've been talking about it. His goodness, the abundance of his goodness. So when we talk about him, heaven stops and leans in. <laughs> I don't get it. I, just, I have sometimes this whole, I don't know whether angels play guitars and sit around campfires, but in my world they do. Um, because generally, because I don't, yeah. Anyway, so I, <laughs> strange, I haven't had enough caffeine or something. But anyway, angels sitting around campfires. And, and I have this whole thing like, we're out and about. We're in our workplace. We're in a cafe. And we're talking. And we're talking about what we've seen him do. We're talking about him. And as we're talking about him, it's like heaven leans in and stops. They're talking. They're talking about him. Jesus, they're talking about you. It's like, and they're talking about the stuff that's happened. They're talking about healing. We're talking about provision. We're talking about the abundance of heaven. And it's almost like heaven can't help itself, but it has to come and do it again and again and again and again and again. Because testimony, his story, it's like his story, it's our story. Testimony is the invitation for him to do it again. So we were sat in a, a cafe. Actually, we were outside a cafe in Chatham, in Medway. And we were, um, we were doing exactly that. We were just talking about miracles. We were talking about what we had seen. We are talking about Jesus. We are talking about Holy Spirit. We are talking about God. We are just going the whole hog. We are just celebrating him. Celebrating who he is. And it's in the summer, and we're sat outside. And all of a sudden, this woman comes walking along like this. And she stops dead in front of us. Like she's come against up some... Well, a little bit like a giant marshmallow, the way she sort of stopped. <laughs> I guess it might have been an angel. Um, yeah. Anyway, so she stops dead in front of us. She takes her glasses off, puts them on, takes them off, puts them on. She looks at us and she says, I need to join you. Okay. So, <laughs> feel free. Um, and we said, like, well, I said, no, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. We've been talking about Jesus and how amazing he is and the miracles that we've seen. She went, okay. Uh, and she sits there and she starts to share about her life. 
And we get to listen to her and we get to uh, hear what she has to say in her background. And we are then able to talk to her about the goodness of God and how much he loves her. And she decides that she wants to know who Jesus is for herself. What do we do? (laughs) We had a, well, I don't drink coffee, but we sat outside a cafe drinking coffee and tea and drinking Diet Coke or whatever and talking about Jesus. It's as simple as that. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of, no, I'm not going to go there. It's a bit of a rabbit trail. It's as simple as that. Another story in terms of blue water. Um, I went there with a, uh, Anne and we were, Anne Townend, so she leads the healing center. And we were talking about what we'd seen, what God had been doing. We're having a, having a bite to eat. And we just started talking about the Welsh revival. <laughs> We started talking about Mariah Chapel and our own personal experiences of going there. And when I went there, I didn't have effectively, if you like, the outlook I have now in terms of kingdom. Um, but I had an experience there of presence that probably marked me in a way. And we were talking about this and they played Evan Roberts' violin. <clears throat> it was beautiful. And they were singing, or we were singing, and they... Uh, they were playing the piano, and it was low lighting, and this beautiful sense of the presence of God just dropped into the place. And so I'm sat at the table, we're in coats in blue water, there's a couple sat here, life is going on, and we're just talking about this. And as, as, as I said that, I said, you know, the presence just dropped in. It was as if... Well, it was more than if. He dropped in. <laughs> he, he literally dropped in. And I sat there and looked at Anne. Anne looked at me and we can't say anything. I'm like, oh. To the point where I wondered whether I was going to slip off the chair, which would have been a bit embarrassing. But, but the point was, and the point is, we talked about him. He showed up. So what do you want to do? In that moment, what are you saying, Dad? What are you saying? What are you doing? Because we could sit there and enjoy him, and that's, that's wonderful, and that's lovely, and it's, there's moments for that. But when he shows up, it's, it's kind of learning about asking what, in, it sounds a bit official, in what capacity are you here? <laughs> Doesn't sound very intimate, does it? <laughs> God, in what capacity are you here right now? No, it, it's kind of like, what do you want to do? Because you're good. When you show up, that means your goodness has shown up. All of your goodness has shown up right now. All of who you are is here right now. What aspect of your goodness do you want to demonstrate right now? Well, we're not out doing anything. We're just eating. (laughs) All of a sudden, I feel a a pain in my shoulder. (laughs) The couple next to us have actually paid paid their dinner, paid for their dinner. So I turned to them and said, excuse me might sound a bit strange. Um, Has any of you guys got pain in your shoulder? Well, both of them had, the man and the woman. So we get to pray for them. They're very happy for us to pray for them. The woman's shoulder gets a little better, but the guy's shoulder, he reports like completely resolved, pain goes, all of the stiffness goes from his shoulder. And we're like, this is amazing. You know, Jesus, this is Jesus. um, Because we just want to tell you how much he loves you. And and they're like, well, why, how, and what, you know? (laughs) One minute they're having dinner, the next minute crazy lady has turned to them. (laughs) 
But it was, wasn't quite, it wasn't like that. Because actually this was a moment in time. This was presence. This was God breaking into their world and demonstrating how much he loved them. This wasn't people going up to them saying, I want to tell you about Jesus because this, this, this was us having dinner and just having an awareness of the presence of God and what do you want to do? And we had the opportunity to talk to them about, about how much God loves them. We didn't do any more than that. We said to them, hey, look, you know, um, this has obviously been a bit of a strange experience for you. Um, you might want to go away and you'll probably talk amongst yourselves, but you, you might want to go away and have a chat with God about this. And, and see what he wants to say to you because he really loves you. There are so many people that actually don't know that they're forgiven. How powerful it is that when you can actually say to someone, your sins are forgiven. It's, it's a simple thing. I didn't realize the power of it until the other day. We had a, a really interesting encounter with the love of God where I have a friend of mine and he doesn't mind me talking about this and I'm happy to be honest and open about um, some of my uh, background with regards to dealing with PTSD and the ambulance service which is my background. Um, I think transparency is quite helpful. <laughs> Not oversharing. <laughs> anyway. So I, I arranged to meet a friend of mine. He's no longer in the ambulance service. He's a Christian. And he's been struggling with some mental health issues around PTSD. Um, I would say as a result of doing the three years of school, being around here for four years, that has been the, one of the major breakthroughs in terms of uh, dealing with some of the legacy of having been in the emergency service for 22 years. And so out of that place, I'm able to talk to him when no shame is attached and I'm able to tell him who he is, his identity, and I'm able to encourage him about what's possible. And on the way back, he's feeling so encouraged. He starts to talk about the woman, you know, who's come to Jesus and she's been found in adultery. And he's saying, wow, the grace of God is amazing because of this, this and this. And we were talking all around that. And then this phrase came out of my mouth. I said, how amazing is it that we can actually tell people that your sins are forgiven? And we talked around this. We get back to the car park and we're about to go and a lady approaches us and asks for directions. So we give her directions. And as she walks away, I hear the name Beth. And it wasn't an audible voice, it was just an impression. So this is kind of the thing of, what do you do now? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're pushing in, pressing in to hear, to experiment, to risk. What do you do? What's the worst thing that can happen? They tell you no. So I said, are you Beth? And it turns out that she's on her way to see Beth. She had got on a train, I think somewhere up in London. And she felt compelled to get off the train at Faversham. There was no reason for her to get off. She finds herself in the car park asking us for directions. We're in a position where we get to hear from God. I hear a name. And out of that, we have a conversation of, how did that happen? Why are you talking to me? And we get to explain, God loves you. And there was some other conversation around that. And then in a moment, that conversation I'd had five minutes before about how amazing it is to say your sins are forgiven, I said to her, hey, do you know your sins are forgiven? You simply just need to believe what Jesus has done for you. She'd been having thoughts, she'd been having conversations and, and, and experiences, spiritual experiences. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, I want that. <laughs> I stood in a car park. 
We've been eating cake. We've been talking about him. We're aware of the abiding presence within. We're aware of his presence around us. We get to hear from him. And she gets to meet Jesus. And we watched, literally, we didn't really need to say much. We watched as the Holy Spirit just baptized her and she came to know who Jesus is. And she'll be going on a journey. And we, we swap numbers and we're kind of keeping in contact. So over this year, I was talking about this sort of year of terms of last year and, and this whole year of what does it look like when you're wanting to press into the limitless Limitless presence, power, and love of God. This thing about being united in Christ was a thing that really captured my attention. I started to read through Acts. Um, in Acts 3, Peter and John, they go to the Gate Beautiful and they approach the guy who's lame. He's been lame from birth. And he's begging and we know the story. He said, you know, silver and gold have a none, but what I have I give to you, full stop. In the name of Jesus, walk. And I sat there, I was like, okay, what did they have to give? It's these questions that go from mind. You kind of know in your head. You're like, oh, well, yeah, they had faith. And I read on, and you read on in the whole discourse, and they're talking about this is Jesus who did it. Why do you look at us as if by our own power this happened? And then further on, when the priests are kind of questioning them, there is, there is one sentence that really captured my attention, which is they took note that they had been with Jesus. I was like, oh, they'd been with Jesus. What did that mean? So I started asking God questions around that. And, and what does it mean to truly be with you? And when you look at where it says to be or to be with when you look at the definition around that, it means to be present. To be present now. So, okay. <laughs> How, I always started asking myself, am I always present with you? Now I know he's in us, can't escape that. <laughs> but how present am I? How aware, how aware are we of, of him in this moment right now? Like, seriously, like, how aware are we of his presence right now? And I was thinking about Peter and John. It's quite interesting when you look at their story, where throughout the Gospels, it's Peter and John, 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 Peter, James and John, Peter, James and John, Peter and John. They're kind of like, they're the duo. And Jesus uh, takes them into places that others don't get to go. I'm, I'm still working my head around that one. This is not the final item here. I'm just sort of sharing some of the things that, some of the things that I've been thinking about. But they had a relationship with Jesus where they went to places that other people didn't. They shared real intimate moments with him. I mean, the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was once again affirmed by his father, this is my son. They got to hear that. They got to see him glorified. They got to see his glorified body, this it talks about this transformation, the metamorphosis of his body, literally glorified the radiance of his body. And they, I mean, Peter didn't know what to do with himself. We know that. He said, like, oh, we'll just give you a tent. It's marvelous. What do we do? I'm not sure I would have known what to do. All of that stuff. But all of these places that they were called to be with him, to be present with him. And they saw him raise a girl from the dead. 
They saw him do a lot of things. And they also then, because it says in John, um, oh, Mark, actually, it's Mark 6, I think. Yeah, it is Mark 6, where they, Jesus was on the mountain and he called the disciples to him, designated them apostles and basically then said um, to, you know, they were to go and he gave them authority. But the primary thing around that was, was to be with him. So it's really, for me, it was fascinating to say that they had identified them as being with Jesus. That was the primary call, was to be with him. And there's this whole thing about around John 14 where they have this conversation where he's saying, look, I'm, I'm effectively, I'm going away. Um, you know, it's, it, I think, Tim, you touched on it last week. This whole thing about how would that feel? You've been with someone for three years. You've seen amazing things happen. You've operated out of the authority that Jesus has. And you have seen demons cast out. You've seen the dead raised. You've seen people healed and set free. And now all of a sudden, this person you've got to know, you've, the most intimate places and times in life, he's now going. And they don't get it. But he said, like, it's better that I go so that I can send the helper and they still don't get it. Even though in, Mark, in John 7, he talked about all those who thirst, come to me. And out of your belly, rivers of living water will flow. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been poured out. And so in that place where Jesus is promising Holy Spirit, that was the spirit of truth, that is the one that reveals, it's the one that comforts. He was trying to show them that actually there was something better that was going to come. He Basically, in John 17, we know he says, I, I want them to be with me where I am. So, looking at that in terms of what it meant for them to be with him and abiding in him. He was saying, you know, you're, do, you, do you not know that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? If you don't sort of believe that, then just believe the works themselves. And he's talking about Holy Spirit coming, and then he's saying, in that day, you will know, you will realize that I'm in the, or the Father's in me, I am in the Father, and I am in you. So Peter and John have gone through this whole passage of their life with Jesus, and now he's not going to be there until... He says, basically says, you know, wait, the whole thing about Pentecost in terms of in Acts where he says, basically tells them to wait and that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. They had a history with Jesus. In the physical. And so when the priests looked at them and said they'd taken note that he had been with Jesus, what they didn't realize, the priests didn't realize, and what Peter and John did know was not only had they been with Jesus in the physical, but Jesus was now in them, present in them. I feel like. I, this is interesting. I kind of feel like circling around this for a bit. I think there's something on abiding for us right now. Actually being aware of him. 
He says we're baptized by one spirit. We're all given one spirit to drink. Hmm. Does anyone have a problem with the term or phrase drunkenness? Being drunk in the spirit. Because <laughs> I did. Oh, can I put my hands up? Four years ago, five years ago, if I'd have seen me doing some of the things I've done over the last few years. <laughs> but I'd, I'd never really, I'd never really caught hold of what it was to abide. I was very busy, very busy doing a lot of things. I was involved in ministry things in the church that I was in that was very much focused on the four walls. And then one day, this wick that was barely alight suddenly sprung into life. Someone, uh, they were talking to us about being on part of a ministry team to help people that had just come to know Jesus. And we would help people after they prayed a prayer. And do you know what I thought? I can't get that wrong. <laughs> I can't get that wrong. I was actually excited that I was going to be involved in something that I couldn't get wrong. But something happened in that moment. Something reignited in me. And I think that was a moment where I started in a very early form of of truly starting to learn what it meant to abide. None of what we do, none of what we see, none of what we know is possible, the limitlessness, none of it is possible without Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You can't represent the kingdom and you can't represent the king, his heart, without Holy Spirit. It's impossible. We can do good things. We can be kind. We can feed the poor. We can do all of that stuff. But how much better to do it with the power of God flowing through us? God spoke to me about the signature of heaven being love. I spent a whole day wandering around. Like, signature of heaven is love. So I came out of walking around. And at the end of it, I was like, then let my life be the pen. <laughs> I was like, Sounds good. <laughs> but each of us, our lives are uniquely crafted pens. Through which the goodness of God, the unlimited resources of heaven flow. And it's where God's signature is left and the indelible ink of love in people's lives. It requires power. Love is not passive in that sense. It requires power. But we can't manifest that power ourselves. The only place that we can get it from is abiding. Is drinking. (laughs) So... Is there anyone here that's particularly offended with the idea of drinking? 
I, t- I think what offended me with the idea was that I just thought it was a bit unholy in my religious boxes. Big religious boxes. Until... Oh, wow. Psalm 36, verses 7 to 9. Because I, 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 when I need to know stuff, I'm like, God, what? How? And I started reading Psalm 36, verses 7 to 9. Oh, the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. And you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. I mean, that in itself was enough. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Then I decided to do what I normally do, because I'm a bit analytical. I don't know, probably a good thing to do anyway. I started looking up certain words. Children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings and they drink their fill. To drink their fill means to be intoxicated, saturated, drunk. Look at the Strongs. I was like, really? Okay. (laughs) Religious boxes are coming apart. The abundance speaks of the fat, which is another word for anointing. And I was looking at your house. Well, we are the dwelling place of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says you give them drink to drink the river of your delights. The word river is torrents. <laughs> and your delights is the word Eden, which means pleasure. For with you is the fountain of life, which is the source of life and joy. And in your light, we see light. It's the revelation of who he is. As we abide in him, as we rest in him, as we sit in chair one, (laughs) we drink our fill. We're intoxicated and saturated with the torrents of his pleasure. We drink from the torrents of his pleasure. Those rivers of living water then flow out of us. The goodness of God, the pleasure of God flows out from us. And the source of all life and joy is in us. (laughs) We literally carry around with us the answers to everything. We walk around, we carry the answers to every single issue, every single problem. Because the source of life and joy is within us. So we get to venture into the infinite yes of God. We journey into his limitless goodness. Fully trusting in him. Filled with joy and peace. Overflowing with the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. To the world around us. I was talking about earlier on, you know, when you can't see something and when you can't feel something, you go back to the word and what does the word say? He says he's in us. 
He's abiding in us right now. <laughs> when you haven't got a worship band playing, you've not got your favorite worship stuff on, got lots of distractions around you, when you're sat at a table with a friend having a cup of coffee, <laughs> he's in us. So, over this year, there are lots of bits and pieces. There's lots of stuff that's been going on. But I think predominantly I've been learning what it is to abide and to drink. Because out of that place, the overflow comes. Out of that place, we get to saturate the world around us with his goodness. And that looks so different for everybody. It looks so different for everybody because we're unique. And that's what's so good. You know, if you're an artist... You create something. You create a... It doesn't even have to be a painting. <laughs> Maybe you're an artist and you paint and you create something and, and out of the overflow of what he, who he is in you, you create that. And people are healed, set free. They feel joy. They feel peace. Looking at what you've done. That's supernatural. That's a manifestation of the presence of God. You work in the medical field. You work in education. You work in all sorts of business. And you... You get an idea that no one else has thought of because of the abiding presence within you. That's supernatural. It's the glory of God. It's the goodness of God. But none of this is possible. None of this is possible without Holy Spirit. (laughs) None of this is possible without Holy Spirit. And we don't have to work for it. It's the final thing I'll probably come to rest on. My bent's probably to to strive. That's been my background, to strive. Chair two, the servant. And I had a question for God about Jesus. I could have asked Jesus, I suppose. <laughs> Ask his dad. <laughs> Don't know how that works. Anyway felt like asking God. Um, it was in worship. And I was asking how power was released from Jesus. How did that happen? And how was it that Jesus... Yeah. How was power released? Do you know what I saw? <laughs> I saw Jesus going up a mountain. Beautiful grass area. And lying down. And resting in his father. Communing with Father God. I don't know what I was expecting. Because there are places where we know that, that Jesus shed tears. He cried out. His heart was broken. And, and that, I don't know, particularly involves him lying there looking peaceful. But in answer to my question, that's what I saw. I don't know that you can force power out of you. It's like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they were amazed. These the people were amazed. I said when he came to the side of the synagogue, they were amazed that that that, that they, he worked these mighty works by his hands. Paul talks about in Corinthians, I think it's six two two six Corinthians two Corinthians. Yeah. Anyway, Paul in Corinthians, <laughs> when he was there, um, he. He spoke about speaking the truth with power 
and having weapons of righteousness in his right hand and his left. So, ooh. Job and Habakkuk talk about the power of God being hidden in the hands. Laying hands on people is one way that we get to release the power of God. But it comes out of rest. And actually, the thing that we've been learning, and I think is the thing that's been kind of capturing our heart most, is just being. Just abiding and stuff happening around you. It makes it so much easier. <laughs> this whole thing about we have to, you know, especially if you've done school, we, we go treasure hunting and we do all sorts of things where we actively learn to hear from God and then we, we stop people and we talk to them. And I was with Tim the other day. We're in blue water going around and just... Tim wanted to kind of see what would happen. I had never expressed this before, had I? We were just walking around and we stopped a few people and were talking. And, and, and it kind of just nothing particularly was, was happening. And I said to Tim, I said, can I let you in on a secret? I don't like this. Every time I stop someone, my toes curl in my shoes. Every time I feel awkward. Most of the time, every time. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, it is. Outside of being aware of his presence. Now, I know there are times, and there are times when I have done that, and I've gone up to someone, and I've spoken to them, and because God is so good, you know, he, he loves people, and he can use anything, including someone whose toes are curling in their shoes. He doesn't particularly like doing that. Um, but I've seen the most fruit more recently over the last year, with the most amazing things happening, just by being, just by resting. So I'm going to finish on one last testimony. Uh, something that happened yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Lose track. Um, I was kind of preparing for this, and the preparing for this was not particularly coming out of a place of rest, actually. I'd got slightly... In a pickle. <laughs> so I decided to go to a place that I love to go, Ellsford Priory. It's a place that I like to go. I have a field there. I'm sure if you go there, it may be your field, but when I'm there, it's my field. Um, if I see you there, we'll share a bit. We'll, we'll divide it up or something. Um, anyway, so I, I can't because there are people playing on the field. They're having fun. I'm like, oh, that's good. They're having fun. That's my field. I need to get into my field. Okay, I'll go to the cafe. So I'm wandering off to the cafe and I walk past a couple and they're looking at the inf- an information board. And as I walk past, I just catch the fact that this guy's wearing a hearing aid. But it wasn't kind of just seeing a hearing aid. It was like the hearing aid, it was like my, it's ridiculous. It wasn't this big. It just seemed massive. It was like me, me. I thought, oh, now here we have the choice. We can walk on. That's okay. We can do that. But this wasn't a moment of, I want to see this man healed. And yeah, it's possible because I've seen it happen. It, it was, there was a tug here. There was a sense of presence. There was a, a, an awareness right there at that moment that heart of God was being stirred. There was a com- moment of compassion that meant, I'm going to turn around. But God knows that I prefer it if the conversation starts from the other end. So... I walk up, no toe curling at all. It was brilliant. 
Because this woman turned around to me and said, oh, can you show me the directions? Do you know which way it is to this particular chapel? I said, oh, so I tried to help them as best I could with directions. And then I said to, to this guy, I said, oh, by the way, um, your, um, your hearing aid, can you tell me about that? So, yeah. And basically he didn't want it, clearly. Uh, he said, yeah, if, I said, well, I have to pray for him. He said, well, if you can help me get rid of this. It's like, yes, I can. What did we see three months ago? What did, you know, those of us that were here, what did we see? What did we experience? What's the testimony? What's our story? Because these testimonies are not just about the person who tells the story. You know, it's our story. What did we see those three months ago? We saw hearing restored. So, yes, I can. Jesus didn't say pray for sick. He said heal the sick. As others have said before. So I put my hand on his shoulder and just simply said, Father God, he doesn't want this. Ear open. I don't know what else to say. Sometimes you don't need to say a thing. But he went, face check. Click. My, my ear clicked twice. So I thought, I asked him if he would like to take his hearing aid out. And he, would, he, he did. And we started having this conversation at, at conversation level with the lorry going past and he could hear us. But his wife, they think, oh no, he's lip reading. So then I go, okay, well I'll stand behind him. Stand behind him having this conversation. And she's studying us carefully and then she says she tried, so she wants to try. So he's here. She's standing 3,000 miles away now behind him <laughs> at conversation level. And he's hearing everything that she's saying. <laughs> she is delighted because the TV level is usually up here. Clearly she's, clearly she's delighted for her behalf. And he stood there with moist eyes. Doesn't have to wear this thing anymore. What happened? We hear a story. We read stories. We get to know about the goodness of God. We share stories about the goodness of God. And it doesn't just have to be in the realms of healing. It's not just, it's about a particular area. God is good across the board in every single area. There is a yes for everything. So wherever you've seen the answer, you carry a testimony that can change people's lives. You carry a prophetic voice. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You get to prophesy life. And in that situation, that particular thing, it was healing. And we get to see it because we carry within us him, the answer to everything.